Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Amen. Hey, welcome to Capital Church. You glad to be here today? Come on, turn to your neighbors, say, I'm glad you get to sit next to me. You're going to really enjoy that. Amen. If you're sitting next to the person you don't want to be sitting next to, it's too late. You're there. So deal with your heart. Amen. Um, I have the opportunity. My name is Shane Grove. I get the opportunity to speak today um, out of, come on, the Bible. And we've been in this series. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, Thoughts and Things. And those for pre- like nine plus months, or not months, weeks, excuse me. It had the power of nine plus months. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, we heard from our lead pastor, Pastor Chris, talking about commitment over what? Preference. That's right. It's commitment over preference. And hopefully you tuned in last week and you heard Pastor Ken with a brilliant message honoring uh, those that have gone before us on Memorial Day on the Sunday, talking about the fact that we have a responsibility to be grateful. We have a responsibility to be thankful. It's not something that you just, when you feel like it, you can be it. It's because of what this nation has been built on, because of who Jesus is, because of what the gospel means, we have a responsibility, come on, to be, to be grateful. Um, I'm excited, Pastor Chris, he's been talking with his, his teaching team, and he's getting ready for a summer series that's going to involve um, belonging, he's going to talk about family, talk about marriage, talk about togetherness, um, and so please tune in all summer long. Uh, summer's not a time to check out. Hey, it's, it's time to have fun, and obviously there's some vacations that are at play, uh, typically during the summer months, but let's not check out a church, amen? Uh, let's, let's continue to make it a priority and just see what God wants to do and say uh, in this community and how he's going to use us even in the next few months to be a witness uh, to our communities and neighborhoods around about us. Uh, but today, I'm going to speak out of Acts chapter 20, so if you're there, we're starting verse 7, and let's begin. It says, on the first day of the week, much like this, Sunday, it says, when they were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day. He prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. Some of you are already panicking right now. You're like, where is he going with this? And being overcome by sleep, he fell, Eutychus did, down from the third story and was taken up dead. Verse 10, but Paul went down, bent over him, taking him up in his arms, said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not little Comforted. Some translations say, took him away alive, and they themselves were full of life themselves. Father, we thank you for who you are. Just in the next few moments, it's asking that you would uh, just help translate your word in our hearts and our minds. Thank you that your word, it, it does do what it's accomplished to do, what it's been sent to do. And we're just grateful for every story, every person that's in this room today, that you know right where they're at, and right where they're at. Uh, is not overwhelming to you. You have a word in this season for their life. You're speaking to them in ways that only you can. And we, we thank you today that we're able to leave just revived by the goodness of Jesus uh, with a fresh hope, understanding that 
God, you're for us. And if you're for us, then what can be against us? So we just honor you today. Thank you for your word uh, in our life, rich as it is, in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. amen. You look at Acts chapter 20, you see yourself, Paul, come on, preached a long time. He's here in Troas. And as he's here with these Gentile Christians, what's he doing? He's putting, he's sharing an incredible, not just sermon, he's talking through uh, some very in-depth things as, as people are gathered in this, this home uh, to have church on a Sunday evening. Most of these people have worked all day long, not masters of themselves, but masters, uh, mastered by someone else. Uh, they're working in another man's field, laboring, and then in the evening they come and gather as a Christian community, as Gentile Christians, and they're listening to Paul, who doesn't live there, but he just happens to be there ministering in their towns, was there for seven days. So this is one of those appointments that you, you just made, you wanted to make sure you didn't miss that you were there, you were present as the apostle, as the pastor, as the evangelist, as this adventure named Paul is in your household speaking whatever he's speaking to you. You're leaning in with great attention. However, there's one individual in that room who was not. Instead of leaning in, he leaned out too far, fell out of the window opening to his death, and he died. And that's in the Bible. And you're telling me the Bible's boring? Stop it. Read Acts 20 and... Go through it yourself and other stories like that. It's, it's, it's amazing what's in there. He fell asleep and he didn't wake. He died, people. He died because of sleep. How many would say sleep is it's an interesting thing? It's a blessing. But if you think about it, it's also really scary. Because all of us tonight will go home. We'll lay our heads back on our pillows. We'll have our favorite blanket, whatever it is, right? Um, and... We don't think about it, but I want you to think about it just for a moment, what we do, the trust that we put into sleep. We laid down, we close our eyes, and if we really thought about it, we would we'd be like, oh man, I hope I wake up tomorrow. You don't think about it. Like, I'm about ready just to go eight hours on an adventure that I don't know where sleep's going to take me. What we should do, if we really understood the value of sleep and the trust that we, our bodies put into this thing called sleep, we should wake up in the morning, open our eyes, and we'd be like, woohoo, woohoo, yes, we made it. If you're married, you should high five your spouse. Like, the spouse should get jolted awake every morning because you're like, we made it. I don't know where we went, but we were gone for eight hours, and now we're back. But no one does that. We wake up, and we start complaining the first, right when we get out of bed. We start going into our routine and think, oh, I got someone on that one. Right? You just start just, like, going into, just like, oh, yeah, it's just sleep. No, but if you really thought about it, the adventure that sleep takes you on, it can be dangerous. My dad was here first service, and I was just thinking about him. He would tell me stories as a kid. His parents would find him outside, like 2 in the morning, walking down Woodlawn, the sidewalk, down in, downtown in Boise. He would wake up, not wake up, in his sleep, he would go downstairs, open the front door, and take a walk. There's numerous times his parents found him empty in his bed and had to go find him outside. Old Bobby was walking down the sidewalk, not knowing where he's even at. And I inherited that as well. There's times that my dad would wake up in the middle of the night because he heard jumping in my room. So he'd come in, and I'm jumping on the edge of my bed because I think something's, like, crawling towards me, so I got to jump over it to get in the doorway, and I jump over it, and I land and hit my dad in the chest. He's like, Shane, back to bed. 
You know, there's, there's sleep at times, those stories that mark our adolescence, right? For me, at summer camp, it always happened. Like, anyone have an embarrassing story of what happened to them when they were kids? And everyone looked to Shane. Shane, tell your embarrassing story. Well, I'll tell you what. And it always, it, it came out like this. I was a little guy. I was probably like, I don't know, 10 years old. And I was staying at my best friend's house, our lead pastor, Pastor Chris Wilde. At the time, I didn't call him Pastor Chris. I just called him Chris, right? And so I'm at Chris's house. I'm sleeping, I wake up, fully awake, and I have to use the restroom. So I go to the restroom, and then when I come back out, it's in a basement, everything's dark, and I just forgot, do I go right or do I go left? And I thought, ah, I think I'm going left. Go left, wake up the next morning, the sun's out, it's, it's you know, it's just, I had a good night's sleep. But then I wake up just ever so slightly to hear, like, whispers and, like, giggling, and then the bed's moving, I'm like, oh, man, that didn't sound like Chris, like, I don't feel like I'm alone, and I feel like maybe I took the wrong turn. So sure enough, lean this way, and I got Rochelle, his sister, <laughs> and her friend <laughs> staring at me, and I'm thinking, I am a dead man. Like, I'm in the wrong bed. And that, that horrible, horrible sleep encounter followed me my entire adolescence at every summer camp. That one had to come up. I'm thinking... The big guy, Pastor Ken, is upstairs. Her father, he's going to hear about this, and I'm going to be out on the street. I'm going to be without a church, without a home. He's going to kill me. So I frantically ran back across the hallway to find Tracy in Chris' bed. So I don't know what happened. There's something that, that happens when we were sleeping. I have, I have another friend. I think he might be here, but he used to sit in the front row, and he was ushering. And I knew when the preacher would ever go, would ever go past 20 minutes. Because any time the preacher would go off past 20 minutes, I'd look at his usher on the front row, and his usher would be going like this. <laughs> the guy was out. I won't point him out. Out. That same guy would take me on a years, years past, would take me on a fishing trip. And we were driving, and we caught, uh, whatever, just a lot of fish coming home late at night on the highway. And uh, I thought, I'm not driving, and I'm tired, so I'm going to doze off. So I fell asleep, and... I woke up to, like, not a smooth drive, but, like, <laughs> wake up, and we're not on the road. We're on the side of the road, kind of going that way. And I look over at the driver, and once again, he's out, too. He probably thought, if he's out, I'm going out. We'll get home eventually. <laughs> but it's funny. You think about your own story. Like, when you, you've probably done some crazy things in your sleep, sleepwalking, whatever the case is. Um, but it, it, it's funny how when we sleep, it's just, it's really not. It's the opposite of normal. Like, the sleep is not the same as, like, how we function, operate throughout the course of our day. And crazy things, awkward things, even just bad things, foolish things can happen, I think, when, when, when we sleep. Uh, and when I read this story in Acts chapter 20, I, I want to kind of play off that, that metaphor a little bit. It wasn't just a metaphor. This was a life factual event. The historian, Dr. Luke, is penning, and he's writing Acts as well as his own gospel in Luke, and he's writing the fact that this happened. Paul was preaching. He was teaching. He was ministering in this household of believers long to, till midnight and even past midnight into the early hours of the morning, and in the midst of that, there was a young man by the name of Eutychus who fell out of an opening, the window opening, to his death, all the while Paul continued just to, to minister, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But when I think about, okay, 
Uh, sleep is great, but also sleep can be dangerous if we take it as a metaphor, because both in the Greek and the Hebrew text, you realize that they use the, the, the metaphor of sleep is not a positive thing. It's actually a negative thing. Sleep and rest aren't the same things. We're to rest in Christ, but we're not to go to sleep on Christ, right? There's Psalms 23. He takes us beside still waters. It's a picture of rest. It's not a picture of where we check out and we're no longer functional. Um, sleep indicates oftentimes there's spiritual lethargy, uh, that there's some type of neglect uh, within our responsibilities. There's demonic forces at play. Uh, it's a mental and emotional, physical inactivity. There's a, almost a dullness that takes place. And today in considering this, I have considered like, why is it at times that we sometimes just drift into the dullness, being inactive spiritually, uh, to being... Um, almost just unaware of what's going on around us, almost like this sleep stupor state that we kind of move into as followers of Jesus. I think it can happen for a lot of reasons. I think one, and this is a big factor, is that we're just so, so busy. Like what if what if for Eutychus, what if busyness was basically his master? We know that that was a common slave name. We know that he probably worked 15 plus hours even before this this meeting here at this church or in this, in, this, in this house church, in this home group, we know that there was labor that he was uh, endeavoring and working hard at. And then he comes to an audience of believers listening to the Apostle Paul. Uh, so obviously there was some physical activities that played uh, kind of a, a leverage importance into why he probably was just so exhausted. Uh, but I just want us to consider in the 21st century, because I don't think anyone of, of us, maybe unless you work a night shift, put in like 12 plus hours before you came here on a Sunday. I just want us to consider what is it that sometimes causes us to drift off spiritually into sleep? And I think one big reason is that we're busy. I mean, we're just so, so busy. Like if you go home today and just look up different studies on busy, you're going to be fascinated by it. Studies that say the cult of busy or busy being busy. Like, what are you busy at? Uh, just a lot of stuff. Like what? Just, there's just so much stuff. that I, just, it, I know you're busy, too. I don't want to take the time to tell you all that I have to do because we know we're both busy. I mean, we even answer the question wrong. Like when someone says, hey, how you doing? We don't ever say good or I could be better or life really stinks right now or it's going great. We're like busy. And we, all, and we take that at face value. Oh, that's a good response to the question. It's a horrible response to the question if you think about it. How you doing? And then our response is, ah, really busy. As though really busy is like, oh, awesome. You're doing something with your life. You're, you're going places. You're, you're achieving. Uh, you have this incredible status about you. Why? Because you're busy. Obviously, come on, I'm important because why? I'm I'm busy. So I think if we're not careful, as one writer says, we use busy as a way to feed our ego. Like, we don't have a whole lot going on, but we don't want to let people know that we don't have a whole lot going on because we think, because the cultural lie would say that to be busy means to be important, to be busy means that you're achieving something, when in fact it's probably the opposite. We're so busy, we find ourselves actually not doing anything very well. It's like everything is just at, like, surface level. There's no depth to anything. Everything is just surface. Why? Because there's the time of day and the hours and seconds that are given have been equally distributed to 
all of us. And if we don't use those hours and minutes well, then we waste them. And I think oftentimes we waste them on things that just aren't that important. We spend so much energy focused on more of the non-essentials than we do the essentials. And then we wonder why life is so complicated, why it's so crowded, and why we're so exhausted all the time. See, what happens when you're busy, it leads to this, always. A busy life always leads to an exhausted life, right? An exhausted life eventually leads, leads to what? Burnout. And then burnout eventually leads to, to miss out. You just miss out on those few things that God had positioned you for, but because you were so busy, and this message is as much for you as it is for me, it's, it's the fact that we get so distracted in all these different areas of life that we miss out on what's in front of us and what God is using our life for and is what, what he's wanting to accomplish. The, the cultural lie is this, that busy equals value of importance. Uh, one study suggests that Americans are actually addicted to being busy. In the reports that they lent, it shows that we're probably, want, based on our work hours and the amount of time that we put in even above the work hours, uh, it's shown that we actually uh, are the busiest country in the world. But when you measure our productivity, it doesn't mean we're the most productive country in the world. We're just the busiest country in the world, meaning that even in, in, uh, in the mid, uh, just middle management, the hours wasted on managing staff and people and just pushing paper and not doing really anything productive, it, it is in the trillions on how much money is wasted every year here in the United States. And that then carries into our own personal lives as family members as a spouse, as from my, my example, as, as being a father, as being a friend. There's no way I can be busy, busy, busy and be a good spouse. There's no way I can be overwhelmed with the, the litany, the, the, the list of endless responsibilities and tasks and distractions and be present and be a faithful, loving father who has time to give instruction and has time just to listen and wait and be with family. There's no way we can do all of this uh, and fulfill what God has asked us to do. The reality is this, as Tim Keller wrote this, the reality is most of us are too busy to live an emotionally healthy and spiritually vibrant life. Hurry is incompatible with the way of Jesus. The love, the joy, and the peace that form the nucleus of Jesus' kingdom are all impossible in a life of speed. If we're constantly in this, this, this place of going after the American dream and getting more, and we, we see grass is greener somewhere else, so we go after that, and we take on this exercise, we take on this experience, and we take on this interest, and we binge here, and we watch here, and we, 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 we take this area on here, and we get distracted with this thought, it, it's amazing where eventually you're spent, you're bankrupt on time, and you have no more time. There's no, you can't get, you can't borrow it from anywhere else. And when I read through, through this, this chapter, Acts chapter 20, I just wonder uh, if this young man was just overwhelmed, exhausted because of all these things that were taking place within his life. It could be naturally that it was based on just his work, his work. The fact that he was a slave to somebody, and he was being overworked, and he, got into that moment where he just couldn't, he couldn't pay attention any longer. He was spent. He was exhausted. That's not really our story. Our story is the fact that I don't think that we're overworked to the point of, of that. 
I think that we lend our schedule and our calendar and our time just to anything and everything. And at the end of the day, we're like, man, we got no time for what really matters. We've given all our energy to these non-essentials. We fall asleep when we find ourselves maybe not falling three stories to our death, but we feel like death is, is imminent. It's there. It's like what, there's this spiritual death. It's just, I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I can't hear the Holy Spirit. I, I, I don't know the last time I've been able to actually sit down and study and read through Scripture and, and have any significant or meaning to my life. Could it be maybe because we haven't put the priorities where they need to be? And we've given them to everything, everything else. I also think that we like to be busy. And this is a few things that I've just noted just even in kind of through these studies. I think we like to be busy because when we're busy, we don't have to help other people. Like, I love to on Tuesday. Ah, oh, but I'm booked. Got things, right? I, I think it helps us kind of insulate ourselves to where we don't have to really be the neighbor that Christ has called us to be. Right? Because, I mean, we would help them, and they're right next door, but, man, we got so much things on our plate. So we've, we've filled so much time, we've exhausted all of our time, right, that uh, we don't have much left over to really yield and to give to other, other people. I think in, in some way, um, being busy, it, it feeds uh, this, this, this sense in our, our desire, this passion to be relevant or to be something, to be somebody. And if, if we're busy, people know we're busy and they know that we're, we're producing and that we're, we're important to somebody. And I don't know, we live in this, man, this, this weird culture that it, it values you being important and values self-image. It values somewhat arrogance and pride above the call that Christ has called to is to live humble, loving, caring lives. Humble, level, and caring, they don't find place in busy, busy, busy. Uh, there's no, no room for them. Um, I think uh, we like to be busy because, once again, it, it has a way of, of, of feeding ego. But the good news is this, that when Eutychus fell to his death, his story wasn't over. The good news is there's always time to come to make edits and to bring change within our, our own lives. And I think this is a great passage to read, especially being the June 2nd, the first day of, of June. Obviously, we're not in summer yet. We're pretty close um, to really set these next few months uh, because God's not called you to be a busy Christian. You ready? God's called you to be an effective Christian. He's called you to be actually, you ready, an unbusy follower of Jesus. When's the last time you asked someone, how's things going? And you, the response is pretty good. I'm very unbusy. Not, nothing's going on. I, I mean, I've, the whole schedule is cleared. Like, that is like counterculture. Like, I'm, because what you're saying is like, yeah, I'm not that important. There's not a whole lot of going on. I've, I've done three things, done three things well because I've been unbusy. Do you know what you can do when you're unbusy? You can do these three things well. You can pray well. Why? Because you have time now to pray. You know what else you can do? You can read your Bible well. Why? Because you have time now to read your Bible well. Why? Because you've set your priorities. You said, I'm not going to be just part of this machine of just being used and torn this way and that way by this need and that need and this experience. But I want to make sure my priorities are spending time being a follower and a disciple of Jesus. And there's no way you can look at Jesus when you look at a thousand other things. There's no way that we can actually be people of faith if we don't actually spend time hearing the word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing the what? 
the Word of God, not someone's opinion, not some other thought. So there's no way we can be deep level, deep in Christians, disciples of Jesus, and be hurried and be in this flurry of life and in this constant speed for more, 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 more. There comes a time where you have to stop because if you don't stop, it eventually, it always leads to a place of exhaustion and burnout. When you look at uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30, it says, I passed by a field of a slugger by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and the stones was broken down. Then I considered, he says, I considered it. He goes, I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand to rest. And poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. You can't apply Proverbs chapter 24 if you don't take the time to make this a priority. And what, what's the writer saying? He's saying that he first considered it. There's no way you can consider Scripture, and you, can, you can't consider what God is speaking to you if you don't spend time actually focusing and engaged in a place of waiting and listening. You see that throughout Scripture, we see that Jesus is the good shepherd. He always leads us to a place to where we're to listen and we're to be watchful and we're to be as good students paying attention. And there's no way that you can even consider even this passage or even consider verses if you don't take the time to uh, pause for a moment. What is it that God's speaking to your life? What's he speaking to the church? What's he speaking in this situation? He says, I considered it. And if you're too busy, you won't be able to look. It says, and I looked and I received instruction. So we won't be able to consider anything the Scripture has to offer. We won't be able to look to see what God is doing. And we will not be in a place where we can actually receive instruction and change for the better if we don't give space and time within our crazy, busy, important world and schedule uh, to make room for what really matters the most. In Luke chapter 12, verses 35 and 37, you can read it. But we see that Jesus says, be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return. It goes on to say, blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when, when what? When he comes. We see that Jesus is putting this call out to, to stay watchful, to, to stay alert. Because when you fade off, when you sleep spiritually, it always leads you to a dis- destructive end. And we see in Luke chapter 21, Jesus speaking again. He tells his disciples to be on guard so their hearts are not weighed down, but to be alert at all times, praying that they would have strength to escape all things. You look at Luke chapter 9, if you back up a moment. This is Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He invites three guests to join him on this uh, once-in-a-lifetime once moment. He invites Peter, James, and John to go with him to experience something that they will never experience apart from this moment right here. Seeing the Father and Son working together, seeing this, this moment that can only be fully understand and realized if you were there presently. They are there with Jesus, first row, right up and personal. And it says that they were weighed down and they were heavy with what? With sleep. But when they became, I love this, fully awake, when they became fully vigilant, when they became fully watchful, they saw his glory. And that's crazy because they were so close, but because of this temptation to sleep, they almost missed out on what no one other than them were able to witness and see. It wouldn't have been the same thing. 
they, they couldn't have heard it from other people. They had to experience it themselves, and they almost missed this supernatural heaven-earth encounter because they were weighed down with sleep. But it says, when they became watchful and when they became alert, they're able to see Christ in his, come on, full glory. There, there's something that they didn't miss, but they almost missed. And I have to wonder, how many times have we missed those supernatural moments within our life because we've been just weighed down, we've been disturbed, Distracted. It's amazing. We make the job of the enemy so easy. It's not like he has to scare you. It's not like he has to give you night sweats or terror. And that might happen to some, and I'll pray for you afterward. But a lot of times, he just has to get you to a place where you're just distracted enough to where you forget what's happening over here. When God, in all his splendor, is trying to get your attention right here, even in the subtle ways that he does it, we're fixated over here in some area and then over here in some area, and we don't have a clue that we were moments. We were a conversation away from watching the glory of God on display in the life of someone else. And we see this household of of people that are filled in this this home. And we see that uh, Paul, he is is, uh, speaking not just a 20-minute sermon, uh, his usher already nodded off, already gone. Uh, I'm talking like he, he's speaking. It says well past midnight and from midnight into the early hours of the morning. Why? Well, because I think Paul knows his time's limited. I think he knows that his space and this opportunity is might not come again. If you go past this, the Eutychus uh, story and read a few verses after within the latter part of chapter 20, you realize he has his last address to the Ephesian elders. And as he's talking to the elders, what he's telling them, he's saying the same thing. He's encouraging them to, to, to pastor and to guard the house, to guard their sheep well, to be good shepherds that are alert and watchful. When you look at just the idea of a shepherd, what you see is someone who is up at the hours of night when other people are sleeping doing what? Doing the work of protecting and guarding that which has been put into his his care. The same thing is true in our life. Now, I'm not telling you not to go to bed tonight. I'm not talking about sleeping naturally. Just want to qualify that, right? Everyone have a good night's sleep tonight. Forget what I said about yelling in the morning that you're alive, okay? Uh, Just sleep is good. But when it comes to this, I'm talking about this spiritual inactivity that I think that we just slowly and subtly it's so camouflaged, just kind of just kind of drift into, and we look back, we're like, oh man, I just when's the last time I've actually shared my faith with someone that's not a Christian? When's the last time I actually spent time and was just like, I don't know, moved in my own home uh, towards the needs of my neighbor? When's the last time that I actually just, as I was driving down the road, just felt in my heart compassion for a stranger? When's the last time I just, uh, just instead of complaining about the person that really annoys me, man, when's the last time I just stop and begin to pray for them? These are all signs of someone who's spiritually, spiritually fallen asleep. If, if you've forgotten what you've been called to do, the importance of what it is to be followers of Jesus, um, if, if you, you haven't considered, okay, worship outside of a Sunday experience, if you have not considered prayer, even when no one asks you to pray, if you've not considered reading your Bible, not just at like, I don't know, a couple inches uh, in, in, in depth, but actually going deep with it, so not just a devotional, devotionals are great, but you can't live your life on a little devo. You have to live your life being anchored deeply into the Word of God. You only can do that if you're not limited and you're not pulled this way and that way by the distractions of our day. Because if so, you will be exhausted in all things. You'll be too busy. You ready? You'll be too 
busy to be a Christian. And that's, that's kind of, the, that's the, whew, that's kind of that, that, that heavy thought with, even within our culture. Are we too busy to be Christians? Are we too busy to, to be followers of Jesus? Um, and the challenge is this. Uh, we don't have to be. But it's based, on I think, on some decisions that, that we make. When you look at the Holy Week and we look at Passion Week, and uh, I love the fact that our church is able to, to write a devotional on that and kind of walk through that. I heard some awesome testimonies. One young man says, when I came to Easter, because I read and the activities was taking place during Holy Week, he's like, I don't know, I can't explain it. Other than that, I just, I just felt it. Like, I just, I felt Easter because of walking through the stories of what Jesus is doing throughout Holy Week. I mean, come on, when's the last time you just, you just felt, man, what God is doing? Like, you're moving along in kind of this order and direction with him. If you look at Passion Week, Holy Week, it's Jesus not only teaching, but it's also him continuing to keep the attention of his disciples. Like, stay alert. Come on. Stay watchful. Just, just for a moment longer. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm moving somewhere. I'm going in a direction that's going to benefit you. There's a story and there's a conclusion to this that's going to open your eyes to just a greater story other than just yourself. I and mean, there's, this, there's heaven and there's kingdom and there's power associated with what I'm doing. But you just got to stay awake and watchful. And that's where you see Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22. He's praying with great vigilance, so much so that uh, it says he's sweating droplets of blood. There's this agony that he's going through. He's taking on the, the, the weights of our, our human sin nature. He's taking it all for us, getting ready for what he's about ready to do on the cross, defeat death, hell, and the grave. He once again brings some guests with him called his disciples. And once again, what do they find themselves doing? Because of sorrow, it says they're fighting the sleep and they fall into sleep. Jesus comes back, and I love what Pastor Chris said two weeks ago. Jesus has need of his disciples. Like, Jesus comes back, and he said, Peter, James, and he's like, I have need of you. Today, in this church, right now, you and me, Jesus would say the same thing. Stay awake. Stay alert. Stay watchful for what I'm doing. Why? Because I have need of you in your story, in your section of the world, in your community, in what you're doing, your influence. It requires you stay awake and watchful. Why? Because I'm going to do something in your day that's going to surprise and it's going to overwhelm even your story. And this is what Jesus is doing throughout the Holy Week. He's, he's continuing to get the crowds and disciples just to stay watchful, keep leaning in. Um, he, he warns them uh, to stay awake and to stay watchful. When you look at um, Paul and you look at um, his, his charge even to uh, other younger pastors and other uh, Christian believers as, throughout his travels uh, in, on, on his journeys, you see that Paul was constantly telling them to stay out guard, to stay alert, to stay watchful. Uh, it's the opposite of sleep. When you sleep, you just, you just, it's like I said before, you just go somewhere. You're out. And me walking down the sidewalk or jumping on my bed in the middle of the night, can I tell you this? That's not normal. That, that, that's, that's weird. Can I tell you this? Sometimes if we're not careful because we sleep on what God's asked us to do, we give the wrong picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus to our culture. 
as weird as I am jumping on my bed in the midst of sleep, trying to jump over whatever's attacking me on the ground, uh, if we're not careful, we do that in our own example. And no wonder the world's like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it's just not weird because you raise your hand and you pray and you all sing together. Uh, that, that's weird by itself uh, for someone who doesn't understand. But the fact that you live like this, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think we give the world a wrong picture of who Jesus is when we too are overwhelmed by the addiction of busyness and it leads to exhaustion. And then we don't have time to do what really is important. As the worship team comes up, I'm, I'm going to end with this. When you look at uh, the life of Paul, I think Paul in this setting, I think he is showcasing what it is to work hard and to be vigilant for the work and the vocation and the ministry that God put in his heart to do. I think Paul would be an example of one who would be okay disappointing people by saying, no, I can't be at that. I can't go there. I can't do that. Why? Because I'm on the mission of doing what God has called me to. I think Paul is one of those examples in the text that is an example of someone who has his priorities right in the right order. Uh, Someone who is not living life for the non-essentials, but is living life for what really matters, the essential things. And he's here in Troas as he's about ready to leave, and he's speaking long into the night. And I think the audience with him is is re- reflective of Jesus in the, the Garden of the Semite where uh, there's intense. They're, they're waiting and watching to see what God is doing. What is he saying? But I also think there's an, also another audience, and his, his name is uh, Eutychus, and he's sitting at a window's opening. And I think he represents probably a, a spirit or a, maybe a culture uh, that is in the midst of this grand experience, in the midst of this amazing opportunity to hear and to receive and be encouraged courage, but because of the weight and the distractions and the wantings of the world, uh, instead of being alive and engaged and lean forward to what the man of God is saying, he does the opposite. He leans backward. His, his heart and eyes and life get heavy with the weight of exhaustion, and he falls to his death. But what's amazing is, to me, is what the Apostle Paul does. Have you ever had a story on your heart and your life that nothing was going to stop you from sharing it? We had last summer, Tracy gave a good plug for youth camp. Last summer we had our, um, I just thought about this, we had our uh, junior high director, Rob Ash. He's he's speaking uh, on one of the evening sessions. And I mean, he was preaching so good. He's preaching so good, a girl in the third row got up and just threw up. He was preaching so good. I was on the front row. Hear me now. I didn't even know she threw up. I didn't even know there was an incident three rows behind me. Why? Because and this, I'm like, okay, Rob, there you go. You got it. You, you, you just, he just stayed focused. He, that could have been a distraction that could have thrown the whole message off, especially for a young guy. I mean, it, it might th- it throw me off. Please no one throw up right now. Um, however, he was able just to continue to carry on with what God put in his heart to share. And not even a girl, third row, throwing up, was going to throw off what was going to be done. And she's fine. She's well. And bless God. Now, that's different from your preaching, your sharing. Everyone's engaged, leaning in. And you look out to your left or right, and the kid, Eutychus, which, which his name, it's, it was a common name, but it meant lucky. It's crazy. So when someone asked me what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to say, oh, I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about Paul and a kid named Lucky. Lucky fell out of the window and died. But Paul was not shaken. What does Paul do? He says he goes downstairs. 
he picks up this young man by the name of Lucky, and he says there's life in him. I love the fact that it was Dr. Luke, the physician, that wrote the book of Acts, that scribed the book of Acts. Now, I don't think if I, I don't think that it was that he got stunned, or or else Luke would have said, and he was stunned. Luke writes that he was dead, taken up dead. Has anyone ever like the wind was knocked out of you? Because some people say, well, maybe the wind was knocked out. I'm like, no. If you had the wind knocked out of you, you don't act. You don't act dead. You act like you're dying. There's movement. There's, <gasps> like your body's doing weird things. So you act. You feel like you're about gone, right? You don't just don't lay there. So he was dead. Paul goes downstairs. My goodness, this is for every preacher. Like, you have a distraction. Has anyone ever fell out and died in the midst of from a from a window opening? He goes downstairs. He picks him up, and I think he spoke something over him. And then he says, there's life in him. Then the parents were probably there, or whoever's taking care of him. It didn't say that he jumped up right away, but I love what Paul does. Oh my gosh, ready? The kid dies, Paul comes downstairs because he's in conversation through midnight. He picks the young man up, says there's life in him. I, re, let me go back. He picks the dead boy up, carries him in his arms, says there's life in him returns him. At the end of it says, all of them left full of assurance, full of faith. It doesn't mean that the kid responded like right away, but maybe within the hour or the minutes that follow, he came back to life and back to his senses. What does Paul do? He doesn't just shout it around the, the neighborhood. He goes back upstairs and has dinner or breakfast. He has a fellowship meal. What is the fellowship meal significant of? Well, it, it's, it's significant of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So I don't know if Paul paid this kid off. Just, to, okay, trust me on this one. I'm going to be talking because I always ask this question. What is Paul talking about for hours? Like what story have you listened to that was so good that it kept you for eight hours? Paul's talking about the one thing that drove his life all his life. He had an encounter with Jesus right? On this Damascus, on this, this, the Damascus road. He had this encounter that changed his life. And he went from a person who was busy, from a person who was persecuting those that called themselves of the way. And he, his life is changed in a moment to where he didn't go back to old Paul, Saul living. He goes back, to, he, he goes to the, the, the one thing that matters the most. It's the priority of Jesus. I thank Paul for eight hours and he probably could have gone longer, but he was needed elsewhere. I think for eight hours, he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. To where he goes downstairs, picks him up. There's life in him. Today, friend, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you've gone through. Some of you might feel like, man, I've experienced just some dead things in my life. Can I encourage you with this? Like Paul would say, guess what? Because of Jesus, there's life in you. There's not a story in here that's so dead that can't be resurrected. See, the, 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 the gospel and what Jesus would teach and what Paul would spend time teaching, it wasn't just about information. It wasn't just about feel-good points. It wasn't just about even just sound doctrine. It was, it was about actually celebration. And the reason why Sundays are so important is because we get to come together and do what? We get to celebrate. And what are we celebrating? We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. 
We celebrate that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we've been made alive, not through our works and business and good effort and our importance and achievements. No, we've been made alive because of the grace and the story and the victory of Jesus. So some of us, we just need to, this week, just take our calendar back and say yes to this, yes to this, sorry, because I've said yes to this and yes to this. Because I've made Jesus priority. Because I've made spending time being unbusy and just waiting in silence. Waiting in a place where I can hear the voice of God. I've made that priority. It means I'm going to have to say no to this non-essential and this non-essential. And you will be pleasantly surprised, especially accompanied with what Pastor Chris is going to bring this summer. And talking about belonging and family and relationships. You'll be pleasantly surprised that as you give enough time and space for what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, you will be a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. You'll be a wonderful wife and a wonderful mother. You will be a terrific, we don't even have to do a series on community. You will be a terrific neighbor. You'll be able to love people who can't return it, who have no strings connected to it. They got nothing to give you. You'll be able to love well because you made a priority to do what is essential. There's only one way that you can be good and be strong and be, I think, fulfilled in following Jesus. And that's when you give him plenty of time and space. Other use, and I want to pray for you, and we're going to take communion here in a moment. Other use, it's just not about a, a schedule adjustment. It's not about some priority adjustments. Others, it's just, you can bow your heads for a moment. Others is that it is a, it's a dead issue. It's like spiritual deadness. It's like there's been a dullness to you. There's been just lifelessness to you. And it would be a bummer if the story ended with Lucky falling out the window and just laying there dead. But it's, it's not. It's a good story this morning. It's a story of gospel. It's a story of hope. It's what Paul was talking about. See, I think, ooh, I, I, had, I had to challenge myself, man, do I really believe in the resurrection power of Jesus? Do I really believe in the gospel like Paul believed? Lord, help me, help me, help me. I, I want to believe like that. There's been areas in your life today that there's just been a deadness in spiritually. And you thought that maybe it's, it's, just, it's too far gone. I'm just, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to say the opposite. I say that's not true. Without being ruffled and without being like overwhelmed, Paul simply did what he believed, who Jesus is. He come downstairs. He says, young man, there's still life in you. Hey, everybody, there's still life in him. Hey, you today, there's life in you. If there's been spiritual deadness in your life, and you, you just want God to go to work with resurrection power in your life, maybe your family. Can you just slip your hand up in the air to make sure I know I'm talking to the right people? I'd love to pray for you. You know what area that is. You know what specific it is. Just with, with those hands raised, can you just put that on your heart? Father, thank you that you know our story inside and out. And there's nothing that is overwhelming to you. Lord, thank you that you're the God who takes a moment on June 2nd. And you take a, you have us pause and just consider, okay, what, what are we living for? What, what are the maybe non-essentials that we're giving more energy to? I'm asking that today you would do uh, your work in helping us by the leading of your Holy Spirit to uh, set proper uh, priorities. Uh, Jesus, you being the number one and what it means to be in a relationship with you. Let that be first and foremost within our life. Help us even this week to uh, adjust our life in such a way that, man, we could just breathe a little bit better and we can spend time to really think and uh, walk in what it is to be a follower of Christ. But for those that are here today and they just feel like there's a spiritual deadness, 
Lord, as Paul said, I just, just declare it even today, there is life in you because of Jesus. And we ask that that which is dead would come to life, that uh, people leave this place. Even as we take a moment of communion, there's an exchange that's going to take place. Lord, I thank you that those who have been dead spiritually, Lord, would come alive just in, just in a grand moment. That they would, the feeling and the excitement and the passion, the desire to follow and believe and to trust and to live by faith would just come to them in a whole nother way. Uh, we ask, Lord, that uh, that which has been dull in thinking would become uh, sharp and clear, where there's been ambiguity and there's been fog and like this malaise, Lord, it would clear away of, of households and homes and lives, and there'd be a clarity to think and envision and rejoice, and man, there'd be a clarity to see what it is that you're doing, God. We thank you for bringing us alive again. Thank you for waking us up so that we can see the glory of Jesus within our day. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.